Cut podcast. This is our podcast for the week of April 30th, 2023. Uh, still in the middle of our Gospel According to the Beatles series, which I think is off to a fantastic start. Hey, you're just doing a stellar job. I, I, I love it. It's it's <laughs> fun. It's freeing. It's We uh, had some great energy in the room on Sunday. It was fantastic. Now, Yes, it was. We're, we're recording this between the first and second week. So we did uh, All You Need Is Love, real high energy song. This coming Sunday from our recording time is the song Yesterday, um, which is a song about regret and the past, so it's going to be a very different mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one we're recording for this week uh, is Help, out of Mark chapter 9. And before we uh, hit record, we were talking about what are we going to banter about today? And we started coming up with zero ideas. <laughs> that, well, we had ideas, I just none of them were, in my none mind, None of them very, were sticking to the wall. They, they weren't really yeah. sticking. You know, Dave... <laughs> Dave said, "Oh, if, if I could take a ro- if you take a road trip anywhere, what would you take?" Or was that what you said? Uh, yeah. what, what 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 are some things you do to entertain yourself while you're on the road? Okay, well, you got small kids, so do you have some? And you've just been recently on the road, so what did you do? We, we spent a lot of time <laughs> on the road in the last week, and I wish we hadn't spent as much time, but I'm glad we did too. Um, we give the kids a lot of stuff, and so we have sticker books, and they have these little sketch pads that they can color on and do different things with. Um, They'll actually take turns. They'll use their little sketch pad and track every semi that passes. And so Mm -hmm. they'll try and have a a count by the time we arrive somewhere of how many semis that they've passed. Usually it gets up to about 150 and then they're tired and bored and they move on to something else. And so then we we play the game, hey, let's jump over the cows. And so they use their little fingers and jump over the cows (laughs) every time we see cows. And that works? It actually works, yes. (laughs) So, So when we had small kids, I was completely opposed to having screens in the car until the second road trip. And mm-hmm. then I was like, we're going to get some screens in the car. So are y'all screen family? Do you use screens in the car? Um, not so much in the car, but sometimes we're not like against it. Okay. We don't forbid them. Um, but we played the hawk game, which is you spot a hawk, you get 10 points, a completely arbitrary oh. point system. Very good. Um, make up those points as you go along. But yeah, you spot a hawk and you get, you get points and... When I was growing up, we took a lot of road trips, and I was a reader, and I'd always go through a lot of books. My daughter Adeline's the same way. She reads through the whole time. But as soon as you get, like, a couple sentences in, my dad would be like, put down your book. Look at this. Look at this. So uh, so it's become a running joke in in our family as well. As soon as Adeline starts reading, we... We tell her to look up yeah, and see something. Yeah. Poor girl. <laughs> yeah. Probably, it's probably. usually like a bale of hay. Like, hey! <laughs> yeah, so. The largest ball of twine in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. <laughs> One of the games we played was, uh, it was similar to the semis, but when the semis mm-hmm. would pass us or we would pass them, then Paula was really the leader on this, but you crank your arm up and down yeah. to try to get them to blow their mm-hmm. horn. And so it was a game of how many trucks could we get to, to blow their horns. So when you have uh, just have a very different family, you know when you're when you're doing this with your arm trying to get semis to blow their horns, their shoes off, eating pork rinds, you think, what has happened to my life? What has happened? <laughs> there there is life? no <laughs> worse <laughs> car snack. Oh my gosh! Than a pork rind. Terrible. I said, look at what God had wrought. <laughs> well, well, okay, that banter actually turned out to be pretty good. I guess you know we're heading into summer and road trips shall abound. 
and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> so what do you say we take a trip to Scripture? Um, this is the week for help. I need someone help, not just anybody. Uh, and that really does connect well with this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to ask Marissa to read this entire passage. This is Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 14 through 29, where Jesus encounters a man in desperate need who, mm. in essence, cries for help. So Marissa, would you do the honors? Sure. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, and he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. So uh, just to get the larger context of this, and I'm going to ask you all to, uh, to chime in on, on if you were teaching this, where, where would you camp out on? What are some things you would notice about the text itself? Remember, this is right on the heels of the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm -hmm. Jesus takes three of his disciples. They ascend the mountain. Uh, there he is transfigured before them. They see some of his heavenly glory. And with them, Moses and Elijah are there representing the law and the prophets, this is uh, the idea that everything has been leading to this moment, the coming of Christ, the coming of the Messiah. So as we all know, right after a, a good day, sometimes you have a really bad day, or after a mountaintop experience like camp, and we call it a mountaintop experience because of this, mm -hmm. uh, you come back down into the valley and their real life just smacks you in the mm -hmm. face. And what I notice um, as this is being read, the emotional language, this is a very emotional event. Uh, and talking to parents who have children, who have seizures, just the overall helplessness. And we have several families in our church that there are a lot of medical issues, some with, with epilepsy, and there's this absolute sense of helplessness. And you get that feel, that guttural feel as the story is told, even so much that Jesus comes down the mountain and they're overwhelmed. We're not told why. They were, they were astonished to see him. Was, was something different about his appearance? We don't know. But uh, as you guys read this, and we're going to get to the prayer here in just a moment, but it's set up around that. So, so I'm telling you, not don't jump the gun. Don't jump the gun, okay? Uh, what what would you point out about this text? What stands out to you? So if if I were preaching this and I were entering it, I think like you did setting it up by looking at the, the transfiguration moment, I would begin by looking at this, this high moment. The disciples are, are coming off the cusp of seeing Jesus in his full glory. They get to see the kingdom of God and see the king 
reigning in the kingdom of God, in the fullness of what, what's about to happen, and they're expecting, hey, something big is going to happen right here and right now. And then they come off the mountain, and they, they face some difficulties with people arguing. But even before they come off the mountain, the last thing that Jesus says to them is, there's going to be some challenges that are coming down the road. So Jesus is already hinting that it's not going to be as, as simple as you want it to be. And without fast-forwarding too much, Jesus says something similar later on after our passage as well, that it's not as simple as you think it's going to be. There will be challenges in the way. And so in the middle of, of all this discussion and the supernatural event that happens with the demonic expulsion, there's this reality that, that Jesus is saying, got to follow me. It's not going to be as easy as you think it's going to be. Yeah, we, we would all love spirituality to be nice and clean and pristine, but no sooner did they see him transfigured than it gets down in the dirt with um, a person that, that is ill, demon-possessed, and uh, just reminds me, too, that you know we have grand visions of the kingdom, but if it doesn't address the needs of people around us, mm-hmm. that, that's where the bread and butter is. Marissa? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just a father in a desperate, impossible situation. Um, The degree of his son's self-harm was really devastating and life-threatening, and it seemed like the only peace that he would ever see for his son would be in his son's death. Um, At this time, um, uh, the rabbis believed that to drive out a demon, you had to know the demon's name. So the fact that the boy was made mute by by this demon... Um, meant that it would be impossible to drive the demon out without knowing his name. So death was really the only promise of peace this child was going to have. And just just if you imagine as a parent how horrible that would be, mm. um, just what a, a desperate situation, an impossible situation he was facing. So he had just like this one thread of hope left. Um, the I really try not to d- jump ahead. Uh, but um, the don't disciples, do it. Don't do it. Don't, <laughs> I know, don't do I'm, it. I'm restraining myself. But the disciples were giving, <laughs> were given authority over unclean spirits. Um, but this one proved to be too much for them, and they, they were confused as to why that would be. And Jesus would reveal that later. You know, and that's a little sidebar here. That um, you know, the idea of God will never give us more than what we can handle. Absolutely, He does. Yeah. <laughs> and even though the apostles, the disciples, have been given authority, they had a little bit more than what they could handle here. Mm-hmm which makes them and us always dependent on, on God's power. Right. And, and I, was just, I think there's an undercurrent in this passage about discipleship. What does it mean to follow Jesus in the middle of any and every circumstance? And how are we going to allow Jesus to shape us and invite Jesus into every moment and every situation? Because like this, there will be moments that we can't handle. Jesus even foreshadows just before that, that he's going to be going to the cross. There's going to be suffering involved. But we still have to cling to Jesus. Yeah, that's right, mm-hmm. Marissa. And this father understood terribly just how powerless he was, and that made him rely on God more fully. Um, his dependence, his confidence, everything, all he could do was trust in God because he couldn't trust in himself. He knew that he lacked what his son needed to be healed. I think that the flaw in the disciples' attempts was that they, after this mountaintop experience with Jesus, felt like they were powerful felt like the power was in them, they had confidence in their own abilities, rather than having that understanding and that desperate plea of God, for God's help, they were relying on themselves to drive out the demon. That, that's a nice pairing, that, that powerlessness should lead us to prayer. And if, if there is a, a keynote of this entire passage, 
That's the point that Jesus is trying to teach to his disciples. So since I can't restrain you any longer, (laughs) uh, I think what we have here from uh, the lips of this father is probably one of the most honest prayers in -hmm. all of the Bible. Uh, It's not cleaned up. It's not pristine. It's not filled with niceties. It is, you know, I need your help. Uh, And then I I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And the idea that, um, you know, our faith doesn't have to be perfect for God to do something in our lives. So let's talk about prayer a little bit. And let's talk about this statement of of the Father uh, I want to give something that I, I probably will, when I preach this, we'll, um, we'll walk through about how to make sure our, par- our prayers are on target, and I'll give a list of those here in just a minute. But uh, what do you guys see? God wants us to be raw and real. God doesn't want us to perform. He doesn't want perfection. He, he, doesn't, he, he just wants us to, to come to him as we are and say, this is exactly where I'm at, I, or exactly where I'm at. I need you right now in this state. And... I, whether I was teaching in a small group or, or teaching from the stage, I think that's such a central part of this entire passage that it's worth exploring what does it look like for you, and maybe that's a good question. If I were in the room, how how do you find ways to really get honest with God, to, to take off whatever issues you struggle with and just be raw and real with God? Because that's what He really wants from us. I think about a time uh, in high school, a friend of mine went over to meet with a, a friend's dad who uh, was very spiritual, evidently was you know, walked closely with the Lord. Um, but when he began to pray, he started using a different voice hmm. and, and it got real high pitched. And it was honestly, it was kind of creepy. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to judge anybody else's spiritual life, but he was talking to us in a regular voice. But when he started talking to God, he kind of created this falsetto. And I don't know why that stuck with me all these years, other than I, I think we ought to have the freedom to talk to God as we would talk to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean, Jesus says he is our father. There's an intimacy there that we don't have to use a false voice or pretense. We just are the person that God created us to be in his presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marissa? So since we're talking about the song Help, um, when this song is written... Is trivia going to come up right here? Well, it's not trivial. Oh, it's oh pertinent. okay. okay. <laughs> hey, I like trivia. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, no, not at all. Yeah, dominate at Trivial Pursuit. Do, do, do you know that only 30% of people can flare their nostrils? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to do it. Which it's kind of like telling yeah, the kid I'm the story of the big now. mouth frog no, or something. Uh, 100% of people yeah, he's right, doing now it right now are, 100% are trying to. Trying he's to. doing it. I'm not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Because you can't? No, I can. I'm just not going to prove it to you. Okay. There you go. I love trivia. It's, it, bring, <laughs> it brings spice. So, okay. Give us your give us right. your non-trivial trivia. Well, the, the song Help was the uh, theme song to the second movie that the Beatles did, and, and they were given the name of the title of the song before the song was written. So it very much could have been just another, um, you know, love song churned out to make a hit. But when John Lennon wrote this song, it was his very first song that was honest. It was the only song that later on um, he remained proud of, even after he dismissed all his other work with the Beatles, because it revealed um, something true about himself. He had built up this shell of being kind of the cynical a uh, cool, edgy guy, but it wasn't what who he was in the inside. Um, at this time, he was very depressed. He was very self-destructive, and um, and this was a cry for help, literally a cry for help. Uh, and it just shows the need to be authentic and the need to be authentic with other people. And if you can't be authentic with other people, be authentic with God. He right. already knows who mm-hmm. you are, 
where you're coming from. There's no need to have a facade. So when we are struggling with our faith, God already knows that. Um, I think we're so afraid that if um, we admit that we have doubts or we admit we are struggling with faith, that that will somehow spiral into a complete loss of faith. But it's the opposite. If we're honest with that tension, um, then that can bolster our faith. It allows us to depend on God for the faith that we don't have ourselves. Um, If we try to uh, deny that we have doubts, we end up putting up this facade, this shell of hypocrisy until we can't maintain it any longer. And then that shell falls away and our faith falls away as well. So this father was, was... both saying, I, do, I don't believe, you're right, <laughs> I don't have enough faith, help me build that faith, help me uh, rely on you, help me be dependent on you, and be true. His request moved from, it, it, kind of a, a nuance here, his request moved from heal my son to help me trust you. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a significant a significant step to take. So if I were teaching this, and it really would depend on the size of the community group and, and the community that you have developed, uh, one thing that we do in the introverts group is we read through a passage, we talk about what stands out to us, and then with our eyes open around the circle, we, we return that scripture as a prayer to God. You know, um, we, we just turn it back to Him as a prayer. And, it, and again, it's just a single sentence or a thought but if I were teaching this, and depending on the, the uh, atmosphere in the room, I might say, if you needed to pray an honest prayer to God today, one sentence honest prayer, what would you really pray? And don't close your eyes. Say it out loud. Because as you say that out loud, you are actually praying that in the moment. Now we're eavesdropping a bit. Or um, if you don't feel the freedom to do that in your community group, and especially in a large group, that would be difficult to do. You could say, what, what's the most honest prayer you've ever prayed in your life? You'll probably get some very interesting answers to that as a mm-hmm. teacher and spark some discussion and get mm-hmm. to know each other a little bit better. I do want to share this. Uh, Pastor David Maines, and, and this shows up in Philip Yancey's book on prayer, he gives a checklist to make sure that prayers are on target. And I want to give it in this podcast because when I give it on Sunday, some people might not be able to write it down fast enough. <laughs> um, but I'm just, I'm just going to read this, and there's, there's six things. Um, number one, what do you really want? You know, Am I being specific, or am I just rambling about nothing in particular? I think if we're going to be authentic. We just need to tell God what we really want. Don't unfiltered. You know, it's up to Him how He answers it. Number two, can God grant this request? Or is I'm, am I asking God to do something against His nature? You know, so I, I always need to look at that as I'm being authentic. Am I asking God to do something that would violate His character? Um, you know, strike down my enemy comes to <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> you know, God's not going to strike down our enemies just because we ask Him to. <laughs> Number three, have I done my part? Uh, the example that David Maines uses here: am, am I praying to lose weight when I haven't dieted? You know, am I? And that's just one example. Am I using prayer as a shortcut? In other words. I've got to be able to do my part. Fourth, how's my relationship with God? Am I really on speaking terms with Him right now? Mm-hmm. And as I approach Him authentically, I need to make sure my own life is in, li- in alignment with Him. If my life is not in alignment with Him, I probably have good reason to question whether my prayer is as Jesus would pray. Okay. Uh, number five, uh, who will get the re- credit if my request is granted? Uh, it, do I really have God's glory in mind? Or am I just wanting what I want because I want it? 
And number six, do I really want my prayer answered? What would happen if I actually did get my girlfriend back? That's just the example he <laughs> uses there. Uh, you know, do I, do I really want this? And it's kind of this idea of before I ask this, I better do a heart check and make sure I'm really sure about this. Do I trust my own judgment or do I need to trust God a little bit more? So mm. that's, that's an imperfect list. Uh, and you could add to that if you wanted to. I'm just saying that that's a pretty good checklist just to go, just to roll down yeah. and say, especially, have I done my part? That's a big one. Because um, if, if I ask God to help when I'm able to help myself, I, I shouldn't be looking at God as a shortcut. Mm. Okay. Thoughts? Questions? Yeah, point number five just, five just really reminded me of the um, disciples' final question that they asked privately of Jesus. Why couldn't we do this? Why couldn't we drive out mm-hmm. the demon? It was never by their power that they were going to drive out the demon. It was only by God's power, and they didn't realize that. So if we trust in him, if we trust his power rather than our own, you know, we're not mustering up the willpower to have our own, you know, strengthen our own faith. But if we trust in him, then I think that they could have driven out the demon. That, yeah. that was the prayer that he wanted them to pray. You can only do this through prayer. It's that that release. It's that uh, confidence in God's abilities. It's that help me, help my unbelief. Help me. Mm-hmm. So um, if I were teaching this, this will kind of be our, our... Well, before I give the wrap-up question, is there anything else you're dying to say? Usually I look over at Marissa, and she's scrolling on her on her computer going, I've got this one more piece I just really got to say. <laughs> oh. You know there it, is, but... Uh... Go ahead. We got time. Go ahead. <laughs> Marissa, yeah. my time is your time. Well... And by the way, as I turned away just briefly, she was trying to flare her nostrils a minute ago. I just want to make no, it No, it just naturally she, happens. I'm a flurry oh, person. Okay. <laughs> she, she was doing it. She tried it. She's in that 30%. Yeah, I got it. I got the eyebrow, one eyebrow up. I can flare my nostrils. I oh, can't roll my tongue, though. I can't either. Can't fold it. Can't do it. No, no. I, I That's that's a genetic thing as well. I, look at Dave over here showing <laughs> rolling off. rolling my tongue. So for those that can not picture that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what percentage of people can roll their tongue. Well, in, in this room, it would be only one in three. So we'll say right. 33%. I think that's okay. totally okay. accurate. Totally yes. the way you do totally. things. Totally. <laughs> yeah, a little, little, little sample size here. Yeah. Marissa, what do you really have to say? Well, uh, when Lennon wrote this song, his original handwritten um, lyrics, um, there was a line that said, I would appreciate you being round. Um, it was a request from, for help from someone who was truly alone. But when they recorded the line, it changes from would to do, which completely dramatically changes the meaning of the line. So say the first line again, the original line. I would appreciate you being around. And he changes it when he sings it to, I do appreciate you being around. It changes it. And if we're looking at this as a prayer, which we are, it changes it to an acknowledgement of, I don't feel your presence, but I know you're there. And and it changes it from a request to a praise. So uh, God has been there. If you feel alone, he will continue to be there. He's the only one that truly understands us, and and uh, and it really changes our cry for help to be something that's you know we know that he's present, we know that he's there. That's right. Hey, that's pretty good. Mm. That's pretty good. I'm gonna steal that. Do it. All right, <laughs> Dave. Anything you're dying to say? So Dwight Moody, uh, talking about this passage, talks about three kinds of faith, and and so many of us struggle with faith in general. How? God wants us to get to a place, and, and Jesus even invites his disciples by, by saying, you get there through prayer. God wants us to get to a place where we have a peaceful resting faith, where we're resting in God's presence. Yeah. It's like we're, yeah. we're sitting in a boat, just resting no matter what's going on. 
Some people have a struggling faith where it's almost like they're treading water, just trying to keep their head above water. Uh, some people have a clinging faith where they're literally just hanging on for dear life to the side of the boat. Um, no matter where we're at in our journey, we can be honest with where we're at, and we can ask God to help us get back to the place where we lean on Him, and He becomes our anchor. Okay, so Dave has that on a post-it note. You I'm, can take it. Just I'm borrow taking that, that post-it by note. Means. <laughs> borrow it, take it, whatever Y'all have, you like, like, written half the sermon for me right now. Right. So I, That's I what we're that. here for. Thank you. Thank, thank you. <laughs> Y- y'all's job is to make my life easier. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that that's really good. So we can we can, uh, Dave. I love that image, and I, if you use that in your community group, it's like, where are you? Are you the one that's struggling to keep your head up? Are you clinging, or are you resting? Mm. Where where do you picture sh- yourself in that reference mm-hmm. to uh, to Christ? That's good stuff. Which, should we end there? Or should I ask one more question? I like it. Let's end it. End it. Well, I was going to ask one more question. Do so, okay, ask the question. Come <laughs> why, on. Why do you ask no, this? If, and I think we've probably covered this before, um, but if you were teaching this and you had one bit of counsel to give somebody concerning prayer, your, your best tidbit of advice, counsel, wisdom, and, and this, if I'm teaching this in a community group, I might say, I might ask this question of everyone, what have you learned about prayer? You probably get some great, great answers, some great feedback. But I think as leaders, too, that we bring our experience to bear on this. Uh, for me, um, I think it's Louis Evely who says this, for a long time, pray short prayers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quit worrying about quantity. Just shoot for quality. I mean, you look at this man's prayer here to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. You can say that in a breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for a long time, just say short prayers. Tell him what's really on your mind. And as that relationship grows, then the verbosity is that a word? Sounds right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, then the words will grow, but it's not that the words won't create that relationship. It's the relationship that creates the relationship. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if y'all could give one piece of advice, I'd say risk. I mean, this this man took a big risk in saying, Good. I, "I don't know." I, I yes, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I don't know. You can risk in in being vulnerable with God, and as you risk in being vulnerable with God, He'll meet you there. But it takes taking that first step and being vulnerable, just like in any relationship. Risk. Marissa? I think it's being open to being challenged by God, being challenged by Christ. And the man said, you know, if you can do this, and Jesus said, if you can, flipping that uh, if from um, being one of if Jesus can to if we can believe. Um, and it was just that that um, raw openness to being challenged the man immediately understood exactly what Jesus was saying. Now, this is a little bit of a rough passage. There's some things that Jesus says here that make us say, uh, is that really in his character? Right. Um, the man wasn't offended. He wasn't, uh, he didn't buck at that. He was just raw and open to that challenge and kind of fell into God's arms and yeah. said, you know, you're right, help me. And, and I'm okay with Jesus being a little rough here because... As we know as parents, sometimes you are at times to draw out something that instead of patting them on the back, you give a challenge, and it draws something out of a character that needs to be strengthened. So I love that. Even if some of the words kind of kind of make us cringe just a bit, Jesus knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. exactly what that man needed to hear. Exactly what he needed to hear. Yeah. And he might treat us the same way at mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we're good. No more questions. I'm done. Now that y'all have written my sermon, I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. I think we're done. Yeah. All right. Excellent. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you.
now and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.